I want to invite all of our children that are here today to turn your eyes to me for a few minutes. Um, And then those of you that are worshiping online, that are children or young ones, if you want to move a little closer to the screen, you may do that. In a couple more weeks, we've got plans to start having all of our children come back up front, but we're not quite there yet. So today, you'll just have to watch me from where you are. But before I get started, I've got to do something. I'm going to look a little funny here, but I have to do it. So hold on. Let me see if I can get this right. All right. How's that look? Does it look good? All right. I don't know if you were listening closely, but in today's story, we heard that Moses went up to the mountain and then came down and his face was shining, shining with God's glory, with the presence of God. In fact, Moses' face was shining so brightly that when he came down, he had to put on a veil because sometimes people could not get close enough to see him. It was so bright. And so he'd pull it down. And then sometimes when he wanted to go see God again, he would go and talk to God like this. And sometimes he would come out and the people would see him with his veil up, but then he'd put it back down again because they'd be coming closer. And he was so bright and shiny. And you know, I always thought this was such a weird story, (laughs) and I couldn't really even think about covering my face like that all the time until this last year. And this last year, we all started to cover our faces a lot, didn't we, with wearing masks and things like that. And we had to do that for a good reason, to keep people safe and healthy. But you know, one of the things I missed most this year when we started having to wear masks was seeing people's faces, seeing the beautiful faces that people have been created with. God created our beautiful bodies and our beautiful beings, and they can shine God's light to the world. And you know, there's sometimes no better way to show God's light to the world than to smile. Can you give me a smile? I see you watching me. Can you give me a smile? Oh yeah, I see it. That's a good smile. Kind of, yeah, I love that. And it, there may be people at home smiling too as you watch online. But I want to remind you today that you are a beautiful child of God and you bear the image of God. And so when you take off your COVID mask and you look in the mirror and you see your face, remember that there's a little bit of God looking back at you and that you are deeply loved by God, just like we all are. And so hopefully soon you'll be able to take your masks off and we'll be able to see one another in all of our full created glory. I'm going to take this off before we pray. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we give you so much thanks that you created us in your image and that you live in our hearts. Lord, I pray for these children that are worshiping here with us today in the sanctuary and online, wherever they may be. I give you thanks that they are image bearers of your love and your grace. And I pray that they always remember that they are loved no matter what. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. I thought just for a moment about doing the whole sermon wearing that thing, but I decided against that. So I want you to picture it, if you can. Gather the image in your mind of Moses descending down Mount Sinai, coming from way up on the cliffs of Sinai, 
And then down here at the bottom, down here at the bottom are the Hebrew people, and they are waiting Moses' return. They're waiting his return excitedly to a degree, but also somewhat nervously because they're not really sure what God is going to do with them next. You see, I don't know if you remember, but this is actually Moses' second trip down the mountain. Moses had already gone up once before and received some tablets from God that were written in God's own hands and had spent time talking to God and trying to figure out who are we supposed to be as a people and how do I lead my people. When he had come back down the mountain, the people had already grown impatient with God and had grown impatient waiting for Moses. And they were making idols and doing other things that did not make God happy or Moses very happy. And Moses broke those tablets. And he had to go back up the mountain again and spend more time with God. And this time, Moses actually wrote the tablets as he conversed with God, listening for what it was that God had in store for him and also for his people. So you see, as Moses came down the mountain, they might have been a little afraid about what God was going to do with them. So when Moses comes down with this bright, shining face, this presence of God in their midst, they are a little bit afraid. They're frightened. And so they start to pull back. But Moses says, hold on, hold on. Come nearer to me. Come this way. Let's talk. Because you might be surprised by this, but God still loves me. God still loves you. And God still has plans for us and has given us ways to live that are more just and free and good and fruitful. It is as if Moses has become a lightning rod for God. It's like Moses connects the heavens to the earth or the divine to the humanly. And he is this go-between, this conduit. I want you to look at the picture on your bulletin today, if you have a bulletin. It's by an artist named Darius Gilmont. He's an artist in Israel that I had the pleasure of working with the last couple weeks and securing the rights to use this art. And I was fascinated by this picture of Moses coming down. And he depicts the image of God, I mean, the image of Moses coming down with God's beaming light around him as these bright and vibrant colors that are emanating from Moses everywhere. And I don't know if you notice, but it's almost like Moses is blending in with the earth and blending in with the sky. It's almost as if Moses is at one with God and at one with creation. He's truly become God's conduit and messenger in a new and powerful way. Now, if you remember anything about Moses' story, it wasn't always obvious that it was going to be this way. If you remember, Moses was a conflicted young man. He struggled figuring out who he was and where he was going. If you remember, he was started out life as an infant Hebrew baby boy who was born 
when the Pharaoh in Egypt was fearful of the Hebrew people. He was fearful they were becoming too numerous and might threaten his power. And so he says all of the infant boys that are Hebrew in Egypt should be killed. And Moses' mother, fearing for his life, put him in a basket and set him in the reeds down near the Nile. And wouldn't you know it, by chance, some might say by divine providence, he is discovered, but not just discovered by anybody, he's found by the daughter of the Pharaoh. And so Moses gets to go and live and grow up in a life of privilege and a life of knowing that he has the good graces of the courts of Egypt. And yet at the same time, he knows that his background is from the Hebrew people. And these two identities that Moses has come into stark conflict in one important moment in his life. When he's a young man, he's out one day and he sees an Egyptian overseer poorly treating a Hebrew slave. And as he sees this mistreatment, it makes Moses boil with anger. And Moses actually kills that Egyptian man. And then Moses realizes, I've just done something really terrible. I don't know what the Hebrew people think of me. I don't know what the Egyptian people think of me. I know the Pharaoh's mad at me and wants to kill me. I've got to go. And so Moses leaves and goes into Midian to live. And he probably thinks that's where he's going to live the rest of his life. But this strange thing happens when this conflicted young man ends up in Midian. God visits him anyway. God comes to Moses and says, draw near to me and I will tell you who you are. Draw near to me and I will tell you what it is that you are going to do. In fact, he tells Moses that you are going to go and free your people because I am a God of liberation and freedom. And Moses says, no, 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 not me, not me, God, because I don't have the gifts. I'm not the right kind of person. I don't know who I am, my background. Am I Egyptian? Am I Hebrew? Who's going to listen to me? Every excuse you can think of. He even said, I don't talk well. And then God said, your brother Aaron will do the talking for you. Although, I don't know if you've ever noticed in the Bible, it's Moses that always talks. Aaron, Aaron's always quiet. But, uh, so Moses finds his voice. And in fact, as he leans into the presence of God, he finds out a lot of things about himself. He finds out some things about his past that need to go and some things that are taking him forward. He finds out that he is a beloved child of this God of Israel who is going to help him lead his people into freedom. And he does just that. But now this man who has come to terms somewhat with who he is, is now traveling with the Israelites and they're gathered at the bottom of the mountain and they have no idea who they are. The whole group of people is in an identity crisis. They don't know what to do. They've been in Egypt so long and now they're stuck in the wilderness and you can understand why they got impatient. But now it's Moses, Moses, who has grown so close to God that he almost shines with the brightness of God. Moses will help them lay the new blueprint 
help them find their identity in God and chart a new pathway forward. When I hear this story, I'm reminded that one of our central tasks as people of faith is to dig deep and work on and discover our true self, our truest self. This is not a selfish, ego-driven thing where I'm trying to find out what is me and mine. It's diving deep to figure out who it is that God has most created me to be and why and how then I can share God with others. Richard Rohr, who is a, uh, who is a Catholic priest, he teaches and he is also, uh, he instructs on contemplative prayer. He calls this the immortal diamond. He says that everybody has an immortal diamond that is the part of them that is actually God living inside of them. And that if only they start to tend to that, that they will figure out who it is they really are and what it is that God is calling them to do and be in the world. And I don't know if you've ever met anybody like this, but I know in my life I have had some mentors and faith teachers that are people that when I was around them, I felt the presence of God emanating from them. I could feel it. And today, when I get the opportunity to sit with people, sometimes I have people come into my office and they're trying to figure out, who am I? What is God doing with my life? Sometimes it might have something to do with who they thought they were and who they might now realize they really are. Sometimes it might have to do with preconceived notions that society has given them about who they should be, but where they think they're headed. Some of the hardest Discussions are with those that, oh my goodness, come into my office and say, I think I might want to be an ordained pastor. And I say, no, you don't. No, you don't. (laughs) That's not really what I say. But whenever I have these conversations with people, I try to unearth two things. The first, I try to figure out if they are a little scared, if they're a little afraid, a little nervous if they're nervous and afraid, just like these Israelites were, about what God might do with them next. Because maybe, just maybe, if they're afraid to take that next step, that there is something that God is doing in that moment. And then there's a second thing I try to figure out. I try to, through conversation, figure out if where they are headed and what they're leading into might allow them to love God better, to love themselves better, and to love others better. Because it's Pride Month, I couldn't think of any better example of this in my own life than a conduit to God that was in my life who, was a, who still is a close friend of mine. But as a young man, he realized that he might be gay. And he said... This doesn't fit with everything I thought about myself before, and I don't know where this is going to take me. He also said, I don't know if I can be a Christian and be gay at the same time. Those identities seem to be coming into conflict, and he had never heard anybody say that maybe sometimes you find new amazing things 
when, when seemingly incompatible identities come into contact together. A little while later, once this young man had grown a bit more and become comfortable with who he was and who God had created him to be, he told me, you know what, I am a better Christian now than I ever was before because now I know how to love myself fully. I can accept that God loves me, that I am created by God, and that I can say that to other people. You see, this kind of self-work doesn't just have to do with ourselves. It leads us back into community with others. It's about that peace of God, that immortal diamond that calls out to God and calls us forth to God and into community with others. I love the way Richard Rohr says it. He says that the true self is never the perfect self. He says that the true self is the one that always lives out of the God who is perfect. That is what it means to tend to our immortal diamond. And so today, as you think about yourself and your relationship to God and your relationship to people around you, I want to suggest that each and every one of you has an immortal diamond that you have this core bit of you that is of God and is calling for you to examine it and explore it and give it back to God so that it can become a conduit for God's love to all whom you encounter. And I don't know if you noticed, but I kind of stole my sermon title today from one of my favorite bands, Pink Floyd. If you're a 70s progressive rock fan, you'll know that they have a song called Shine On You Crazy Diamond. Well, I want to say that this thing I'm talking about is an amazing diamond. And so I want, what I want to say is go forth from this place and shine on you amazing diamonds. Do what Moses did. Lean into God and allow God to lean back to you and offer yourself in grace and faith and love to all whom you encounter. Shine on, you amazing diamonds.